Welcome to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So, Liz. Yes. I'm going to let you sort of open Happy Hour with the big news of the week because, of course, the country's imploding. We have a dementia patient in the White House. We have various incompetence, you know, like propping him up. The border's open. Mommies can't find formula for their babies. We just had the May jobs report as a disaster. But what people really are focused on, the edge of their seats, especially suburban wine moms, is the trial of Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, which apparently concluded yesterday with the dramatic verdict I would like you to tell our listeners about. Okay, so I didn't watch all of this. I just watched s- some snippets of it, um, but it it was it's a fascinating. It is fascinating. It's like a re- it's like a real life soap opera, you know. Um, and for us Gen Xers, love Johnny Depp, right? I mean, yes. people pay a lot of money to get these jury consultants, right? When they're going to trial and they spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, get jury consultants to do focus group testing. You don't need to spend any money to know you just need a bunch of chicks over the age of 45 and Johnny Depp <laughs> is getting off scot-free. That's it. Full stop, right? Well no, Gen X, no Gen X girl, no Gen X chick is going to convict, is going to find Johnny Depp guilty of anything except being smoking hot. And so... Anyway, I love so, that legal analysis, Liz. That is, do you like that? It's so, so smart. It's so, so incisive. Really, what this case was about is that Johnny Depp was married to Amber Heard, who you probably didn't hear of until this trial. She's, I guess, and she's an actress. Whatever. Um, obviously, everybody knows who Johnny Depp is, and they were married, and they got divorced, and then Amber Heard wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post about how she was abused she didn't name names right but she wrote an op-ed about how she was a victim of of violence and abuse and um and that got that was in the middle of the me too hysteria and so obviously believe all women and johnny depp lost his job his role at pirates of the caribbean the next one because he he's the one who really created that character jack sparrow he lost a role in the latest harry potter which i heard i i have not watched any harry potter but i did hear it was really bad and so that probably was a good thing he but he lost that job so here's this man who is losing his livelihood because this woman has written an op-ed in the washington post saying that she was abused by 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 johnny depp so Johnny Depp decided to sue her for for defamation. And it's very hard to prove a defamation case, actually. But he brought it in Fairfax, Virginia court and sued her for this. Now, it's interesting to think about why somebody who is in the entertainment industry, both of these people are entertainers and actors and actresses. Why would you publish something like that in The Washington Post? Why wouldn't you publish it in Variety? Why wouldn't you publish it in The Hollywood Reporter or People Magazine or whatever their rags are in the entertainment industry? Why would you publish it in The Washington Post? Well, it's not relevant to the trial, but Amber Heard did not really write that op-ed. The ACLU wrote that op-ed. So that's just a little interesting. Yes. So anyway, there's a trial. Um, Johnny Depp basically like won 
the 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 PR battle, you know. Um, again, it's the army of Gen X ladies, obviously leading the pack in the pro Johnny camp. Um, but he he came off very well. And then Amber Heard testified, and she just came off awful. She seems like a bitch, and she's also crazier than a shithouse rat. I mean, this chick is fucking yeah. crazy. And everybody knows a crazy chick like this. You, Everybody knows someone like this. They may not be friends with them anymore, but if you, but when you were in college or high school, you had a fucking crazy bitch. You knew someone crazy like this. So the trial went on. There was experts. I mean, it costs a lot of money, and it's lucky that Johnny Depp had the money to try and rehabilitate himself because he's literally had his livelihood taken away, not to mention the moral stain of the accusation of like being a woman, a wife beater, which is what she said. So there was a lot of witnesses that came forth. Johnny Depp had an absolutely fantastic defense team. They just blew Amber Heard's claims out of the water. She's a very unreliable witness. She got caught lying several times. She had, you know, called the paparazzi when she was going to file the divorce papers so they could take a picture of her, you know, and show her and she didn't wear makeup. And then there was allegations that she like put makeup on her face to make her look like she had a black eye or she had a bruised cheek. Um, She had done a lot of really shifty things. And the other thing that was super interesting about this, not super interesting, but just really weird. um, If you're in a healthy relationship, these people recorded each other constantly, like, I just think that that's really weird. And I don't mean record like they make a little private tape for themselves. I mean, they're recording each other, like smashing wine glasses, having fits, going bananas, all this stuff. There's a lot of a lot of videotape. Anyway, as I said earlier, the defense team did a really good job of discrediting Amber Heard. She came off like a bitch. And whether you like it or not, a lot of these trials are how well the jury likes the defendant or the plaintiff. You know, do they come off? relatable they come off nicer they come off like a bitch she did not come off well she came off like a bitch so anyway yes didn't she take like a didn't she take a snort of cocaine or something like while she was testifying it's possible i mean she just she has she's she's very pretty so she doesn't actually have resting bitch face but i think that there was i don't know if it was like her pride or it was something else that wouldn't let her look vulnerable. You know, you you can't come off like a strong, hard ass bitch and then claim that like some big, bad old man like beat you up because you're a fragile, frail person. You know, it whether we like it or not, that is how you are perceived in that in those circumstances. So she did not present herself as like a victim. She didn't. And no. You know, whether you like it or not, that is the way people perceive you, you know, outside of the rules of law. That's what they're looking at. They're looking at. And Johnny Depp came off as affable. He had a sense of humor. He seemed very authentic. And she just came off as cold and kind of bitchy. And it just didn't it didn't go well for her. So in the end, he won, I think, over 10 or 13 million dollars in damages. She countersued. I think she won on one of the claims for like $2 million. He won something like 13 or $14 million from her. And a lot of people are saying that this is kind of the end of the Me Too movement because, um, you know, Johnny Depp has kind of been vindicated. Even if the verdict didn't come out in his favor, really publicly, after anyone who watched it, and of course all the wine moms were watching it, 
um, you know, I think he kind of rehabilitated himself just strictly in a PR sense. So the big story today is, again, is Me Too dead, right? Do we just believe all women now? Is that over? Um, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think, Julie? Well, I mean, I didn't really follow it, except I would see, you know, little clips here and there on Twitter. Um, So but I don't know as far as the larger movement. But I mean, how can you believe all women when we can't even define a woman anymore? So, I mean, I think the whole thing is collapsing under the weight of its own, you know, um, contradictions. It's like the space time continuum has been torn. It's like believe all women, but we don't know what that is. So it's like, okay, what do you just believe? All Leah, what's her name's? What's Leah Thomas Thompson or Thomas? Leah Thomas's, yes. And oh, I I heard a new term this week. What is dead naming? Is oh, you didn't know what this is? No. Let's inform our very curious, uh, eager-minded listeners. Dead naming is calling someone who's trans their like original name. So if you were to say if you were to call Caitlyn Jenner, Bruce Jenner, that's dead naming. So. Because that person is technically dead. I guess. Like there's no, like Bruce Jenner is dead and now it's Caitlyn Jenner. Um, So that's dead naming. Uh, This is like a big issue among the trans community because they obviously have like photo ID and birth certificates that has their original name. And then if they're going by, you know, Marcy, but they were born Kevin, you know what I mean? Like then their legal documents don't match it. So, yeah. So how did you learn about dead naming? Where did you learn that term? Well, I wasn't there some declaration. I mean, Liz, we should give a shout out to Pride Month. It is Pride Month. Oh, it's Pride Month. Happy Pride, Julie. Hey, happy Pride to you. We don't right. want it. We're, all, we're already on enough lists. We don't want to be called anti-LGBTQAE++. Um, so I thought that the Biden regime issued some proclamation uh, or maybe it was a school district somewhere that, oh, maybe it was a school district, Liz, that said pupils can get in trouble for dead naming fellow transgender students. I just... I just am in just in wonder of like how such a decision like that is made by people who are like an age group who are notoriously fruit fruitcakes, you know, as. okay here. Here it is. Of course, it's in Virginia, suburban D.C. Fairfax County. Is it Fairfax? Shocker. Shocker. Yeah. Is this the same county that let the tranny rape the young girl no that's in Loudoun County so that's a neighboring county it's a neighboring county but for all intents and purposes very little difference same crowd same residents same people they're all sitting on the j6 juries or whatever but go ahead and they've been following the Amber Heard uh, Johnny Depp trial in depth Fairfax County Middle School Board school board is considering increasing penalties against students for malicious misgendering and dead naming their peers because that's really what matters. Okay. So I guess if you, I, I, I mean, I have an issue with people, with kids, right? Teenagers and preteens, like making major life decisions about what gender they are or whether they're meant, you know, claiming that mentally they're not the same as they are physically. I just, th- these kids are really young. 
too young to like make decisions like that. But I guess you're going to get kicked out of school if you use their their old name. I guess if is it, it has to be malicious and not accidental. I mean, if if Scott comes back from summer camp and he's Sandy, you know, and you accidentally call call him Scott, you know, are you going to get kicked out? Apparently so. Okay. That's what they're looking at. I mean, there are no more unstable human beings on the planet than, say, a 13, 14-year-old girl. Right? Um, none. None. Like, they should all be really, like, institutionalized from the age of, like, 13. I mean, depends on the girl, but. <laughs> well, we, but and we say we say this as firsthand experiencers of this. Not, I mean, Julie's raised two teenagers, but we also were thirteen-year-old girls, so we're, we're we know what what is going on in our head, and it's not pretty. No, and even worse, Liz, are the demonic parents who are doing this to their three, four, five-year-olds, like the crazy woman who had three boys and went for number four, hoping to have a girl. And unfortunately birthed another boy and instantly turned this boy into a girl so she could have a playmate, someone to shop with, do her hair, you know, all the things that she couldn't do with her three sons. And so, but this is like actually happening and it has the imprimatur, of course, of this regime of a lot of democratic politicians and of course, public school systems everywhere, especially well-to-do privileged white suburbs like Fairfax County. It's very unfortunate because those kids little kids they don't have a concept of gender right I mean when someone says I saw some video that was on Twitter from libs of TikTok where this mother was on TikTok talking about how her two-year-old had come out as trans to her and I'm like I'm sorry but no your two-year-old didn't okay because two-year-olds don't really know what a boy and a girl is they they're just like self-absorbed things that think they're the center of the world they do not know the difference between genitals they don't know what's a boy thing and a girl thing you know and these parents are doing it and they're doing it with the support and encouragement of the scientific and medical community which is even worse i mean normally somebody would step in and go look no but instead the in, in any other situation, if you go to a mental health professional and you say, you know, I think I'm Joan of Arc, um, I think I'm, you know, um, I think I'm a horse or any other. If you're schizophrenic and say, like, I'm I'm Jesus Christ, the the doctor is not going to say, OK, you are they're not going to go along with it. They're going to say, no, 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 wait. <laughs> but but in this case, I guess we're just going to roll with it. So it's a very it's it's terrible. <laughs> and we will see the consequences of this. I mean, this is another we're going to there's going to be delayed consequences, but there are going to be some serious consequences down the line as this whole group of kids who many have been told that taking these um, hormone blockers have no long term consequences, which just defies logic. Of course, it has long term consequences. You're, you're not going through puberty. I mean, do you think if you stop, then you just start up again where you left off? It doesn't work like that. Well. And I think Bill Maher's clip raised, you know, a lot of things that I didn't even realize. I'm not really following this issue, but certainly his audience had to be shocked by this, that if you're injecting your uh, preteen with puberty blockers, all of the short-term and long-term ramifications 
to their bodies, including sexual stimulation and, you know, all sorts of horrible consequences. Um, and there's no studies on this. I mean, this is, I mean, these are, because it's relatively new. It's too new to really have scientific studies on the long-term effects of it. That yeah. drug is used to castrate chem- rapists. It's called Luprin, I think is the name of it. Okay. To to block the puberty. And it's used in chemical castration when when rapists and used to be chemically castrated. So I don't know how you can say interfering with puberty is gonna ha- is not gonna have any consequences. I mean, at just a very basic level, you do not need to be a scientist to see that you if don't. you stop puberty, that that something that is not going to turn out well. What? How? And what? We're, we, you don't even have to know. It's just it's obviously important that children eventually mature into adults, and they themselves then can reproduce. So if you're stopping puberty, which is that when you go through that sexual transformation and you go from being like a kid to, you know, being able to get pregnant or being able to impregnate someone and then you just can't do that anymore. You know, what are the other. And look, we're both in our 50s on happy hour. We're not going to lie. We know what hormones can do to you. Okay, we know. (laughs) Or lack thereof. Or lack thereof. Okay, I'm, I'm fanning myself as we talk right now. So believe me, go ask some 50 year old woman in her 50s about hormones being innocuous. She'll probably punch you in the face or cry. Either or one. cry or sweat on you or <laughs> who knows what. Any any variety. Exactly. Um, so lots of, of course, breaking news this week. I think the biggest news um, outside of, of course, another tragic shooting and the cover-up of what happened in uh, Uvalde. That's just a complete catastrophe on so many levels. Um, But is the verdict, the unsurprising verdict in the trial of Michael Sussman, the former Perkins Coie attorney representing the Hillary Clinton campaign, uh, who was quickly acquitted on low-level perjury charges that he lied to the FBI when he presented fake data tying the Trump campaign to a Russian, uh, Russian-backed bank, Alpha Bank, uh, in both the September of 2016 and then I believe January, February of 2017, he presented that data to his buddy, James Baker, who was general counsel at the FBI, who now is general counsel at Twitter, because, of course, the swamp is deep and does not just include <laughs> political our political and government institutions, but big tech. Uh, so he went seamlessly from, sh- you know, shilling for the Dems at the FBI to doing it at Twitter. So at any rate, a uh, jury came back, um, quickly acquitted Michael Sussman. One juror told a reporter not based on the evidence, but just overall, the government should not have even brought the case to trial because there's bigger fish to fry, meaning, of course, Trump supporters who walked in an open door on January 6th into the Capitol, walked around for 10 minutes and left. Um, And so not surprising, but actually, Liz, there were some people who were shocked, shocked that Michael Sussman, um, you know, that the jury was rigged, that there was no way a jury based in a city that voted almost 94% for Joe Biden that has open contempt for half the country, including, um, you know, anyone tied to Donald Trump, protects their own uh, acquitted Michael Sussman, who then gave a statement afterwards claiming he was falsely accused, even though all of the evidence, including testimony by Jim Baker, 
uh, supported John Durham's uh, one charge for of perjury. He clearly lied, did not say that he was there on behalf of Hillary Clinton and the D and Democrats when he was. So that's that. But overall, Liz, what's your takeaway for the entire exercise? You know, some people are calling this a victory, even though Sussman was acquitted. We still have all this information. Robbie Mook, uh, the campaign manager for the Clinton's 2016 uh, campaign, testified under oath that she was aware um, that this was laundered through the FBI, that she gave the green light to leak it to the media, which included an article on October 31st, 2016, by Franklin Ford at The Atlantic. Um, and so, yes, we have some salacious details that maybe we didn't know before, but WTF, like, who what now? Well, I'm glad you asked my opinion, Julie. Um, I'm sorry, so, that was a long, I just wanted no, to give a back. It's good that you did a good, I think you did a really good summary for people who, like me, I honestly did not pay too close attention to this because I knew that it was going exactly how it was going to turn out. And I was right. Okay, this was never, there was never going to be like justice and there was never going to be um, like a due process, you know, as envisioned by our system or what many people assume is the way that things are conducted, judicial matters and criminal matters are conducted in this country. So one interesting experiment, thought experiment I had, or just one interesting way to consider how, just how fucked this is. Just compare Mike Flynn to Sussman, okay? Because they were accused of the same thing, all right? Except it was even worse for Sussman because the FBI kind of tricked Mike Flynn into talking to him. Sussman knowingly misrepresented. I mean, he deliberately was trying to deceive the FBI. Okay, so right. it's, but they're basically convict, you know, were accused of the same thing. Look at the generosity that Sussman was treated with in the media um, and the FBI, and then look at the hostility and the shit way that Mike Mike Flynn was treated, and you can get a sense of how fucked our system our system is. So, you know, I I mean, I think it's interesting that we're getting more information, but only in sort of like a casual recreational sense. I mean, none of these people are going to go to jail for what they did, and nope. what they did is they spent four years saying that the election of Donald J. Trump was illegitimate because the Russians, because Russia, blah, 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 whatever. And then they used the, the resources and the skills and assets of the federal government to trap Trump and anyone in the Trump orbit. And they did this to screw him over out of his term, um, but also really mind fuck the public. And now, now, right, in 2020, 21 and on, you are no longer allowed to question the election of Joe Biden. You're not allowed to talk about vote fraud. You're not allowed to even ask questions, not even ask questions about how laws were changed at the last minute or how laws were disregarded uh, or any other unusual happening surrounding the election. You're not allowed to do that. But these same people spent four years, over four years, doing exactly that and claiming that Donald Trump did not legitimately win the election. I mean, that is another point of comparison. So you have the Mike Flynn-Sussman comparison. You have the election was stolen by the Russians versus you showed up at the Capitol and so now you're in jail because you protested. Um, 
not even doing anything bad. You were just at an event because you thought that the election was unfair. Okay, so let me recap because we just had some technical difficulties. My main points on the Sussman thing was, one, the difference in treatment between Michael Flynn and Sussman, and then also just the um, di- different ways that election election fraud or suspicious about the election had been treated because we had for four or five years, we had um, the Democrats and the deep state, literally the power of government, like working to convince people and surveil people to prove that the election of Donald Trump was stolen and illegitimate. And then, but now if you say that you are immediately like blacklisted from social media platforms, but also if you show up to have do a rally or something, um, you know, I'm not talking about anyone who was violent. I mean, just people standing on grass that now are faced with, you know, domestic terrorism charges, you know, now that's not allowed. So that's really my takeaway. I never, I never thought anything would come of this. And I think it's interesting, the information that's coming out so we can put the pieces together, but there's, I just don't think there's going to be to be any justice. I mean, you can't really hold a trial in Washington, D.C. of Washington, D.C. people. You just can't. So that's my take. No, you can't. And I mean, I've written about this extensively related to January 6th. So I was in D.C. last week in the same courthouse where the Sussman trial was happening, where there were plea hearings, you know, the chief judge, Beryl Howell, throwing the book at trespassers, you know, blasting them for daring to believe that the 2020 election was stolen. Uh, January 6th protesters, I was at a trial for a man accused of obstruction of an official proceeding, a felony for trespassing charges. He's been in the DEC gulag for now almost 17 months. The jury came back in, what, five hours, finding him guilty of all charges. This is the fifth jury trial related to January 6th, where the January 6er has been found guilty on all counts in record time by D.C. juries. Um, And yet here you have the flip side for Sussman, who, of course, the jury pool included Clinton donors, donors to AOC, the parent of a girl who is on the same high school crew team as Michael Sussman. I mean, you cannot get away from the incestuousness of Washington, D.C. And so, of course, he was going to be acquitted. But I think Liz, this does. <clears throat> I know people want to consider this a win. We also did find out some other salacious details, which is that and Tucker covered this the other night, that um, the FBI apparently has a secure workspace at Perkins Coie. Yeah, that's uh, normal. Course. Yeah, that's totally sure. normal. That's totally Can normal. you just see like this big table where the FBI is working with like Perkins Coie lawyers to concoct January 6th? Like, OK, here's what we're going to do. We're going to infiltrate. It's, I mean, seriously. It's, first of all, it's 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 absolutely outrageous. But it's also the appearance of impropriety. I mean, that's the least of offensive thing about it. But how are people supposed to think that? This city and the government is running on the up and up when the FBI has an actual office space inside the Democrat Party's campaign lawyers. I mean, come on. I mean, it's crazy. And furthermore, uh, Senator Kennedy last week uh, in uh, Christopher Ray testified, of course, he has hat in hand. The FBI is doing such a bang up job keeping our kids safe. 
faith and, you know, spying on parents protesting at school boards and, you know, raiding the homes of veterans who were at the Capitol January 6th. They're doing concocting kidnapping schemes and trapping innocent Americans, you know, to once again produce negative headlines for Donald Trump before an election. They're doing such a bang up job, Liz, that Chris Ray thinks his agency deserves a half a billion dollar raise next year. And Senate Republicans seem to sort of go along with it. <clears throat> Lindsey Graham actually oh. suggested to Chris Ray that they should be getting more money than the no. $537.8 million that the FBI wants in increase from this year to next year. Lindsey Graham, no. the guy who was going to get to the bottom of Russiagate, remember, Liz, he was going to expose it all. Wants to give the FBI more money. Um, but furthermore, John Kennedy, Senator Kennedy, confronted Ray. Not only did Perkins Coie and the FBI have like a little love nest at the Perkins Coie um, offices, but Michael Sussman had a special FBI badge that gave him mm-hmm. access anywhere in the FBI headquarters. And of course, when Senator Kennedy was asking Chris Ray about that, he, you know, craftily tap danced around it, said that the Sussman trial is going on, and no, I can't comment on that. So, Chris Gray, you can't tell a U.S. senator that Michael Sussman, the guy on trial, doesn't have a special FBI badge, didn't have it on your watch, and could basically go anywhere he wanted in the top law enforcement agency in the country? I mean, this. so to the extent that the trial and some of the evidence exhibits and testimony has further exposed just how rancid this whole Russia collusion hoax was. Um, We have got some interesting information. Does it matter, Liz? No. It doesn't matter. But what it does, I'll tell you why it is. It does matter in one in in a a more important way. This is just like one instance of like horrific injustice and corruption. But what are what does that mean for the people of this country, right? I mean, we all live under the belief that there's justice, that things are fair, right? I mean, that's really at the root of the Constitution. If you think about it, if you had to put it into one word, it really is like that everybody's treated fairly and equally by the government. And that is not the case. But the long-term consequences of that are very severe, I mean, what what happens when people do not believe in their institutions anymore? Um, that is that is when bad shit happens. I know we've talked about this before, but every time I see this, I, it makes me a little sick inside because I think people are watching this. People mm-hmm. are seeing this. And when you don't think that there is a neutral arbiter, right, to, to treat everything equally especially in a in a criminal regarding you know criminal behavior where laws are broken that we believe are supposed to be upheld if you can't get fairness there then then you have a very different relationship with the world around you which is that things will not be handled fairly by a third party so that's when people start doing shit on their own and that is that's a very scary I and mean, that's when countries fall apart I mean, after listening to all of these hearings related to January 6th, what these judges are saying in court, and I'm talking Trump judges, Reagan appointees who, for some reason, are still on the bench, refuse to retire. Um, What these prosecutors say, what these FBI agents say, police, Washington, D.C. is populated with people, not just political leaders, 
but the ones who actually run these institutions, populated with people who have open contempt for half the country. They want us all criminally charged for thought crimes, for supporting the wrong president, for supporting, you know, next it'll be Ron DeSantis, whoever. They would love us all in the D.C. Gulag. This is not an exaggeration. For people who listen to our podcast, we've covered this over and over, but this is yet another example of how the justice system in our nation's capital is completely gone. So like you said, for people like Mike Flynn, they're ambushed in the White House at Jim Comey's direction, a legal nightmare. The judges are all in on it. The prosecutors are all in on it. The media is all in on the destruction. Um, But when it comes to Michael Sussman, and unfortunately now, because he's not convicted, you have all of the same Russia collusion propagandists, New York Times and Washington Post, CNN, now crowing that this is a victory for their side, that it exonerates the idea that the Russian collusion hoax was a, you know, some conspiracy theory on the right, that there really was proof and that this was all on the up and up. So unfortunately, even for those who think this is a victory on our side, it's not because it's giving more fuel to those who just, like you said, are going to be able to get away with impunity using our most powerful institutions including the corporate media, to destroy the right. Well, I want to point out that the corporate media did not cover this trial. It only covered the verdict because they didn't want to cover the the trial because they didn't want to have to talk about the information that came out during the trial. So there was almost no mention of this, of what went on, like the way that it would happen if it were the opposite, right? If it were a Republican on trial, if this was some Republican scandal, um, The way that, let's say, impeachment and the hearings and the inquiries into the Ukraine impeachment 2.0 and then or no, that was 1.0. Right. And then 2.0, whatever. The media was on at 11 on this. Very little, very little coverage relative to that. So they did not want their audience to hear what was coming out. So, I mean, it's, it's not a victory. I mean, it's again like. I would say as a recreational researcher, okay, you know, we're going to get more and more information. We're going to have some idea of what went down, but there certainly isn't going to be justice and there's not going to be any punishment for the abuse of power. Um, It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen in the next. I mean, honestly, I forget that Durham, there's like a Durham investigation most of the time. You know, I, I was like, oh yeah, that guy, that guy, he's doing something. You know, I just forgot. It's just like, you know, is this going to happen five years, six years? It doesn't even really matter. Like, again, it really doesn't matter anymore. We know we know people like you and I and, and our listeners and people who are close followers of the news. We we know what happened. Other people are just watching and they're seeing, hey, there's no there's no real new, neutral arbiter and that the system is almost autonomous and it works to always protect itself. That's why the judges are in on it and the lawyer, you know, all the lawyers are not because they are a product of the system. And so they're always going to work to 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 preserve it, just like Bill Barr. Right. I mean, we were like, we remember, we thought Bill Barr is like our next boyfriend. Then all of a sudden it's like he's a real dud. You know, at the end of the day, you know, he's not there to clean, you know, to to clean up. He's there to, you know, maybe dust it off a little and then, you know, but keep it in place because he's kind of a creature of the of the system. So, okay, well, um, let's talk about Bill Barr for a second, because he has been. Yeah, let's let her rip, because you read his book. Did you bet? Didn't he have a book out now? 
Yes, I don't think I can bear to read it. I really don't. I don't really get it. Yeah, I'm not going to read it. Bill Barr knew as soon as he was before he was confirmed. He gave an interview in either April, May of 2019. He detailed what he knew about the Russiagate hoax, the collaborators behind the scenes. He referred to them as a Praetorian guard, meaning that they were overtaking the powers of the elected officials. This he was referring to. Jim Comey, Andrew McCabe, Jim Clapper, John Brennan, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Samantha Power, everyone who was in on uh, this collusion, constructing this collusion hoax, including Lisa Monaco, Barack Obama's last um, uh, deputy uh, Department of Homeland Security advisor, who is now our deputy attorney general. Thank you very much, Republican Senators 48, of whom voted for her. Um, At any rate, Bill Barr knew of all of this. He then tasked John Durham with looking at what happened between the summer of 2016, the creation of the uh, Crossfire Hurricane, counterintelligence probe targeting for Trump uh, campaign officials, including Mike Flynn. And then more importantly, he wanted Durham to look at what happened between Election Day and Inauguration Day when a lot of all the bullshit went down. He did not appoint John Durham special counsel, which would have given John Durham all sorts of broad authority and could have they shut down the Mueller probe in May of 2019, empty that office with Mueller and uh, Andrew Weissman and all the other partisan prosecutors, fill it up. John Durham goes to D.C., fills it up with prosecutors from our side to the extent they exist, right? Bill Barr did not do that. He appointed John Durham special counsel in October of 2020, a few weeks before Election Day. Think of all the time that was wasted in between. Think of the impact that had on the election. If these people would have been hauled in, subpoena, grand jury indictments, everything that they're doing um, for January 6th, think of what that would have done to restore Trump's presidency, number one, restore the reputation of the people who were targeted by these collusion collaborators. But none of that happened. So what do we end up with? A conviction on uh, what's his name? Kevin Kleinsmith for altering an uh, email about Carter Page. But he had no real consequence. But there was like literally no consequence for that. I mean, this this is okay. Again, like, let's go back. Kevin Kleinsmith. Let's just let's remember what Kevin Kleinsmith was convicted of doing. Kevin Kleinsmith fraudulently fabricated the pretense for getting a FISA warrant on Carter Page. Okay, he literally fabricated evidence. This is like, you know, um, all the lefties are always talking about cops are planting evidence. This is like the most serious thing you can do. Right. Is to get a FISA warrant is to get reset threshold. And that's what Kevin Kleinsmith did. And I don't even think he's disbarred. Didn't he like get reinstated already? Or I mean, yes, like. He did. Almost no consequences for this guy. He's like yeah. working again. It's fine. It's no big deal. Right. So instead of Kevin Kleinsmith being charged with tampering with evidence, right, or defrauding a federal court, he gets a same slap on the hand charge that Michael Sussman got. So he pleads, though, right? He's He took a plea deal. He pleaded guilty, I, I believe. He didn't have a trial. Um, so that's all we've got. Furthermore, then 
Thank you, Bill Barr, who tasked Jonathan Bash, another U.S. attorney, I believe he's from Texas, to look at the unmasking of Mike Flynn. As we know, Mike Flynn was caught up allegedly in intelligence reports, especially conversations with the Russian ambassador, Sergei Kislyak, after Election Day. Now, I've always suspected, and I think it should be confirmed, that Sergei Kislyak was in on the Russia collusion hoax, all the optics. He's probably, like because, a, fed, he's probably a fed. Like, he, you know what I mean? Like, yes. I think Sergei, let's just say it, Julie. I mean, Sergei Kislyak is probably a fed. I don't know. It's well, he was it. definitely some sort of informant. He was working as an operative. He was, okay, Sergei Kislyak, very close to the Obama White House, right? Um, he's the Russian ambassador. He's the guy that suddenly starts showing up in the summer of 2016 at Trump's speeches. He goes and has a meeting with Jeff Sessions, who is a senator at the time and then becomes attorney general. Sergey Kislyak is like the where's Waldo of the Russia gate, yeah. like the optics of it. Right. So then he starts calling frantically Mike Flynn. Uh, repeatedly, Flynn is on vacation, um, you know, after the holidays, 2016, Kislyak keeps calling him like a maniac, right? So they Kislyak calls, shows up. There's like 30 calls, and that's because they kept getting dropped, because Flynn was in the Dominican Republic on vacation. And exactly. so they kept getting dropped. So there's like, it looks like he made 30 phone calls, but it's like, yeah, they were for like four seconds. Like each one was for four seconds or something. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. So Kislyak shows up everywhere. Sergey Kislyak was at the Obama White House twice in October of 2016, including one time with Michael McFall. Yes, that Michael McFall, who was his buddy, who was his counterpart in Russia uh, as the U.S. ambassador to Russia. So they had a very close relationship, so much so that after the election, November 30th, 2016, Michael McFall hosts Sergey Kislyak at a forum at Stanford calls him his good buddy. What a great friend he was and colleague. And they talk, this is the guy who just stole the election, right, with Vladimir Putin. And here's Michael McFall, an Obama loyalist, longtime buddy, basketball buddy, et cetera, just swooning over Kislyak. Kislyak, no doubt, was in with the Obama people to create all the optics. Um, so at any rate, this is how they start to set up Mike Flynn. There's numerous unmasking requests, including from Joe Biden on January 5th of 2017. So Bill Barr tasked John Bash, the U.S. attorney, to investigate the unmasking requests, but of course really gives John, John Bash no power, right? He can't Go look at text messages. He can't subpoena documentations, communications, emails, any records between any of the unmaskers to determine if there was a political motive to unmasking Mike Flynn, leaking this information to The Washington Post, which resulted in an article on January 12th, 2017, by David Ignatius, suggesting that Mike Flynn talked about sanctions with Sergey Kislyak. Then the whole thing explodes, right? So... The Washington Post reports again, February 12th of 2017, or excuse me, February 9th of 2017, 2017, that numerous intelligence officials, former and current, meaning Obama former or Obama holdovers, told the Washington Post that intelligence reports suggested that Mike Flynn talked about sanctions with Sergey Kislyak. That would have been a violation of the Logan Act. Da 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 da. A few days later, Flynn under pressure resigns as national security advisor. Jonathan Bash came out with a report, well, had the report, um, BuzzFeed 
has FOIA'd it numerous times, finally got it in lightly redacted form. And Jonathan Bash, of course, concludes that, yes, some things did wrong. Some things were wrong. Uh, you know, the process is really loose and we need to make some more reforms. But no, none of the unmaskers did it for political reasons. A total joke. Yeah, I think it's good for us to take a step back on this and remember that when we were sold on the Patriot Act and other abilities that were given to the federal government, we were assured that these kinds of things would not happen. And the reason I bring this up is because this is the way you need to look at every single thing that these motherfuckers propose as law and say that they're doing. You have to assume that however it can be perverted and used against you will actually happen. And that's why you should oppose it. <laughs> you know, none, all of the tools that they give themselves that they say is for the greater good is actually to control you and not for the greater good. So, I mean, w again, I just keep thinking back to the Patriot act debate like debate that was going on after 9-11 and how oh no this would never be used against citizens we would never abuse these 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 uh powers that we've given ourselves um you know and and it's all come to pass you know it's all come to pass so, so again the big question yeah. remains will what will republicans do they and trump did this too they had all they have plenty of reasons for major reform if not just completely abolishing the um, FISA and all of the tools that were sold to us, as you said, in the war on terror, which now they're using against Americans, which they shouldn't be, um, which they're legally not supposed to. There was also a report that came out. What was that? The FBI. Um, what did they do? Like millions of uh, records that they collected that they weren't supposed to related to surveillance of Americans. And so, but will the Republicans do anything to to reform this and, and rein these people in if they take over next year? No. No. Oh, no. This will, nothing. Look, we're going to move. We want to move past this. You know what I mean? Like, we're just going to, we need to move on. We don't want to dwell on this. This is what we're going to be told. There, nothing is going to happen. Nothing is going to, is no, nothing is going to happen. I don't know. I don't know if it Trump runs, if Trump wins. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't even think DeSantis. Like I, but even really, I mean, one thing we did learn during the presidency is just how powerless the president is without the support of the Senate and the House. And if Trump does win again, he's not going to have support of the Senate and the House. Um, you know, you you may have McCarthy paying lip service, but he's a weasel. So he <clears throat> he's not really going to be on board with anything that Trump wants to do. And certainly McConnell, who is just straight up like an enemy of MAGA and Trump world or whatever, they, they're not going to they're not going to do anything. So, right. you know, this is this is where we are. You know what I mean? This is this is what we have. Um, right. It's just disturbing. Uh we're, it is. We're in a dark. We're in a dark place now. <laughs> we go to the, we've we arrived at the dark place in happy hour. Um, I was going <laughs> to say we always do on happy hour. Well, I was going to say we should talk about something else, but then the only other thing is even worse than this, which is like the school shooting in U Uvalde, which I was like, so let's cheer up with talk about a school shooting. No, yeah. um, I don't want to do that. That's that's um that happened this week, and so there's going to be a lot if you haven't noticed. There, 
I'm talking to the listener. I know Julie noticed. You know, every there now we're talking about gun control and gun reform and they're not really saying sensible anymore. They're just like, no, we have to get these weapons of war, which an AR-15 is not a weapon of war, but they call it a weapon of war. Um, we're going to get off the street. And and the Biden administration has come out that new press secretary has said, no, Joe Biden is not interested in secu- like l- securing the schools. Like, that's not the answer. The answer is always take the guns away from the law-abiding people. Um, and in addition to the gun control uh, that that we're now dealing with, that always follows a tragedy like this, the talk of gun control, um, with no real analysis of what's wrong, what, what, what went wrong or, 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 or how to stop it. The police force in Uvalde, Texas, are ju- is like the Keystone Cops. I mean, I don't know what... I, I don't know. Well, the Keystone cops were just kind of stupid. These people are like murderers, like kill. accomplices. Like, yes. no, I mean, right. I, I don't know why that what why they're not why they would be considered any different than like an accomplice. Like they I, I, I don't we don't really know exactly what happened because we keep getting different stories. Oh, a teacher propped a door open. Then the teacher didn't prop the door open. Then it was like, I mean, literally from what I can tell, you have a shooter standing outside a school shooting at people at a funeral home that is next door for like 10 or 15 minutes. And it's like that didn't get on anyone's attention. Like at no point was that stopped. Like so then he just went into the school and then he was in the school and then they just didn't go in. I mean, you had someone's I think there was a mom, right, that went in and got her kid. The the, the cops arrested her. They, right. they cuffed her. They probably thought she's going to a school board meeting. I'm just kidding. Am I? Well, um, I mean, but this is really turned into a, just a massive scandal. I cannot imagine what's happening in that community. Um, not only just grieving the loss of these children and teachers, and then the one teacher whose husband died of a heart attack. You know, they left four children behind. You know, fury at school officials, obviously no trust in their law enforcement, who not only failed to protect their children, kept these parents away from the building as they were screaming, trying to get in for whatever it was, the 40 minutes that uh, transpired. I think it was even longer than that, Um, not being able to get into the building. And I think they tased one father. They were handcuffing another just a complete disaster on so many levels. I cannot imagine what that community is going through, how it will ev- ever heal. Uh, I, you can't even imagine that it ever would. Um, but now you've just got these officials lying one lie after another, covering up what happened, and just more uh, more details coming out. At the same time, this, of course, flies in the face of what the Biden regime and Democrats are doing today holding hearings about more gun control because this was not a gun control issue, you know, and there are questions about how the shooter, an 18 year old had access to what lives $4,000 to purchase these firearms and ammunition. Where did that come from? His family was completely destitute. Apparently he was made fun of because he, you know, he probably got like the stimulus or something. Biden bucks or something. Could he even qualify as an 18 year old? I don't know. He worked at Wendy's is what I heard and that he had a job at Wendy's. He saved up for it. He bought two. He had two rifles. 
Um, <clears throat> only one of them was like a super expensive one. He had a lot of ammunition. Look, the kid had a background check and he passed the background check. He's 18. He's 18. Um, you know, a, a better question is why wasn't this kid stopped before it got to this this place? Because as with all of these people that all of these shooters, there's always there's always signs. OK, but they just get ignored. They either get ignored because the schools have like this liberal superintendent that wants to stop the school to prison pipeline. So they simply never report anything <clears throat> to law enforcement. But when you don't do that, then you don't get someone in a system that would maybe then later stop him from purchasing a gun when he goes to get a background check. So, you know, th this is, again, somebody who didn't just wake up one day and decide to do this. This was a no. troubled kid that <clears throat> had been had been visited by law enforcement, <clears throat> excuse me, because he had some issues with his grandmother. Um, I read this morning that his grandmother, he had a fight with his grandmother because his grandmother told him, found the guns and said, get him out of the house because his grandfather has a felony conviction and they, he can't have guns and can't be around guns. So, you know, that was just one. This, there had been other uh, in, involvements with the police. But in a lot of these cases, there's always some point where you know something's wrong, but there but nobody does anything. And I, th I think that the best way to tell if people are really interested, because this whole conversation um, and this feigned outrage and the fake tears from the left um, about about this, th th this is not this is not legitimate le them looking for solutions to this problem, this increase in um, I wouldn't even say increase because I don't even know if it's an increase, um, th but to stop these kinds of young men from, you know, going to school and and and, and killing people is th this. There's no good faith effort to actually stop this or think of what kinds of things we can put in place that would stop this. And you can just ask an, any Democrat and say, if I could come up with a solution where this would never happen, but everybody could keep their guns, would that be okay? And they would say no, because the goal isn't is is actually not to stop it. It's to get take your guns away. It's to look for an opportunity to take your guns away. That's what this is. None of this is being done in good faith. None of these gun co conversations, Beto, that little peacock trying to peacock away, get some attention. Um, talk about AR-15. Everybody who knows anything about guns knows an AR-15 is not a weapon of war. Okay, well, everybody knows that. It's a weak round. There's not a standing army. No U.S. Army, our officers not carrying AR-15s. They're carrying, you know, select fire, uh, you know, automatic rifles, um, assault rifles, which are covered in pride colors this month. But so Thank this God. is all take your guns. It is none of this is to actually, you know, cut down, stop, interfere like or capture these kids before they go sideways and kill a bunch of innocent people. Not, there's that's really not what's that's not what we're going to be seeing in the coming weeks. So, you know, because the bottom line is the solution is more guns in the schools, right? The yes, solution right. is to have trained teachers, deans, you know, the drivers, instructors, the gym teachers, whoever it is trained teachers who have access to firearms inside the building to stop a shooter and to let, you know, potential uh, killers know this school is armed, right? This school is armed. You don't know who has the firearms. You don't know where they are. 
this school is armed. You will not come in here and shoot up kids. Like that's the solution. But the Democrats could never accept that. You heard of somebody going off half cocked and going into a police station and opening fire. Never. Okay. That never happens. Why? Because there's a lot of guns in a police station, you know? Well, look, and, you know, in my kids' school, especially after Parkland happened, um, you you have to go through a set of double doors that are security doors, right? Even at, even at the grade schools now. At my daughter's high school, there are two squad cars. And, I mean, it's a big public high school in the Chicago suburbs. There are two squad cars outside of the building at all times. There are officers inside the building. There are security guards in there. Uh, you can only enter through one door, all the students, you know, otherwise all the doors are locked. So there was something weird that happened. A door was propped open. We heard it was a teacher. Now they're kind of backtracking on that too. But at any rate, the the solution is more guns, more security, more armed personnel who can protect the students and the teachers and everyone inside from these maniacs, these deranged maniacs. Um, well, you, you mentioned you were just here in D.C. last week. I know you were because we had awesome dinner, but you went into that courthouse. W- why is that courthouse protected like that, but like not a school? You know what I mean? Like, and let me tell you, you have to mess around in the you federal You have to basically houses. strip down to your underwear before you enter a federal courthouse, give over your phone, any liquids. I had a charging cord in there. I did even know you have to take that off your watch you know it's worse than a tsa line um because of course you have precious commodities inside yep. the federal courthouse which are federal judges and prosecutors right so yeah we have to protect them at all costs our kids whatever right and every single guard in there had a gun all of them had guns at the ready in case somebody went crazy and yeah, they're not messing in. around you have to ask yourself, why is that OK? And then you have the Biden administration saying the answer isn't to secure. Like, don't put any resources in securing the schools. Right. OK, well, you know, instead they have signs that say gun free zone. So, I mean, it's like basically sitting ducks. They know, you know, where you you know where to go if you want to do as much damage as possible before you're stopped. You know, that's that's a great place to go. A gun free zone. Yeah, so, I mean, that. So and also just quickly before we end, isn't it interesting how the Buffalo shooter massacrist has completely disappeared from the headlines as soon as uh, the Buffalo News reported that the killer was uh, in constant communications with a former federal agent before the massacre? Suddenly, as soon as that news was made public, that name has completely disappeared. No one is talking about the victims. No one's talking about gun control related to that. Um, something very sketchy in that story as well. Uh, this guy, this 18-year-old, had a very wide online footprint talking to a former federal federal agent. My suspicion is he was talking to current uh, federal agents. Um, and so that story has completely disappeared because no one wants to dig into exactly uh, what was going on there. Very inconvenient. Yeah. I mean, there's only certain... Um, school, like there's only certain events that are held up and glorified. And if it doesn't fit the narrative, you know, like the black guy in Wakisha who killed, went to try and kill as many white people as possible. That is, we forgot that. No Biden visit, no Biden visit, nothing like that. No comforting the families. Um, Nope, none. So, 
you know. And Liz, as a Midwesterner, I have to correct you. It's Waukesha. A Waukesha. I'm sorry. Like, I don't know. You 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 fly over country people. I know. I'm know. sorry. We don't really language. matter. We don't matter. But language, I just wanted your words and stuff. I want to correct you, DC types. Oh oh hey, that was really mean. That was super mean. <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't. I should not defame you like that. Okay, I accept your apologies. Um, but now we are done with our hour of the weekly wow. news. So. We will be back next week. And if you haven't, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week.